Hello and welcome back to The Rigged Recap, the official Drag Detective podcast, where I am joined by one of my favorite YouTubers. I can throw this channel on and literally just leave it on for hours and hours and hours, especially when I'm like scripting. I always put your channel on. I'm here with Nick DeRamio. Hi. Oh my God. What a compliment. Because I do the same exact thing with your channel, like <laughs> hours of watch time where I'm just like, this needs to be the voice in my ears right now. I have all these people like, what, Derek, your videos are so long. I'm like, well, that's what I watch. Like I need hour long videos. So that's what I want to like give out and put out into the world. It's to the point now where I see a nine minute video. Like if I'm watching a nine minute video, I'm like, why does it fucking over right now? Like Literally. it's gotta be long. It's the age of the podcast. Give me the, give me the talkie. Exactly. More ads. I mean, come on. It all it all works out. Yeah, it works great for me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Nick doesn't make drag race content, but he still makes queer content. You make chaotic content, which I'm here for. Thank you. I, I wanted to ask, you do a lot of reviews of like terrible content, like not terrible content, but like very critically not Oscar winning, winning like stuff. Yeah, all kinds of like really cringy content. Where do you find all this stuff? Well, uh, I love watching. It all started from my love of watching like made-for-TV movies, Lifetime, Hallmark, especially during and after film school. I was like, uh, girl, why is this like a blank wall behind? Like you're in an Airbnb shooting this movie with the flattest lighting ever. And I started to kind of like develop this, some might call it hypercritical eye. And I'm like, well, if people can be critical of a movie intending to campaign for the Oscars, then why can't we apply the same film criticism to lower budget content that millions of people consume. So I I always go to Lifetime or TV or, you know, anything that my amazing subscribers suggest to me, I definitely follow those threads. And then I watch T-channels, you know, and people talk about the ridiculous things that happen on the internet. And I'm like, oh, they're not saying it in a ridiculous level that matches the ridiculous nature of what just transpired in pop culture. So I love to talk about things that everyone's already talking about, but you know. My favorite is like, you're, I'll see a video title of yours and it's like, this movie is The Hunger Games, but Christian like <laughs> hate monger. Yes. Like, what am I about to witness? And then it's like the worst low budget film you'll ever see in your entire life. And you're just like commenting on the whole thing. It's so funny. Thank you. Yeah, I love when there like, are such clear comparisons between like what was successful in mainstream media and then what this low cost, great value knockoff was trying to be. So, and that always works great for search engine optimization. So I run with it. I forgot to tell you, I have a reveal planned. You have a reveal? Why did I wear all of this. Oh, not the. <laughs> if you're listening right now, um, Nick just revealed my merch, which you can my find at dragdetectiveshop.com. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I got it, baby. Best website on the planet. Also, I love the lipstick choice. Oh, thank you. That's my YSL glossy balm candy glaze. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Fancy. And cherry something. I used to work for YSL, so I fell in love with the brand back then. Not with selling makeup at a counter, but I do like their stuff. Oh, so, okay. I've only put on makeup maybe six times in my life, but it's been for like a full drag look. And the okay. one thing I could not get behind was the lipstick. Like, I know people say mm -hmm. that, like, drag is heavy and, like, yeah. But I didn't like the feeling of having, like, so much on my lips. I wanted to, like, yeah, yeah. off. You know, especially since the uh, liquid lipstick era of Kylie Jenner started, that stuff is a literal film. Like, it's a um, polymer film that suffocates your skin. So I've never liked that either. 
Uh, I think it's good because you're always hyper aware of your lips and will constantly touch up your lipstick, which is important if it's a bold color. But I love a glossy stain. I love a gloss, something clear and forgiving and hydrating because my lips are constantly drying. Yeah, see, the ones that are like two week long, like long lasting formula, this will never come <laughs> off. I'm like, okay, what yeah. chemicals am I just putting on my skin now? What's the med? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like 12 cents from wish.com. And they're like, you can go down a water slide in it. It's like, I don't want to, I want to like live my life. <laughs> Literally not the wish.com glossy, fun, pink, long lasting 48 hour lipstick, lip gloss. <laughs> And then the picture is literally from the Chanel website. And you're like, oh. literally the most knockoff thing you've ever seen in your life. Yes. Um, those like, I tried makeup from Wish. How many people in like 40 years are going to be like hospitalized and have no, re- no idea why? Yeah. And they'll be doing it on top of a giant landfill of waste from sites like Wish.com in their fast fashion. A- exactly. That's Sophia Nygaard's future. Um, I love Sophia Nygaard. She's my favorite. <laughs> I do too. But the fracking. The fracking? Just like a fast fashion. The fracking of buying. Oh, I was like, wait, uh, is she a e-waste. fracker? <laughs> the fracking, though. <laughs> it's like, wait, Sorry, it's this like... is the most self-referential season of Drag Race that I've ever seen. So I'm buying into it. Yes, Luxemore <laughs> London is, is bringing every quote she could possibly muster from that brain of hers. I know. It's like, she must be like watching this at her hotel. Like, maybe they only let them watch Drag Race at their hotels where they're quarantined now. Because that would be a good idea. I'd be like, oh, I just... I just, well, then actually they would probably be able to predict what's coming next because I also feel this season is maybe a little formulaic. Yeah, well, and I mean, this is, I think, just the, now that everyone who is on the show grew up watching the show, I feel like we're less wanting to make new moments and instead we just want to, like, hark on the old ones. I think that's, like, what I kind of was thinking was also the defining factor of this era. It's, like, people under 30, except for one, and the show has become so big rightfully so that people are like you can't participate in it without referencing the past because there's nothing really that unseen about it because the producers know what they want to get ratings you know they're gonna follow some variation of what's already been done and it's so crazy as you said like yeah it's people who discovered drag through drag race which for many i think queer people of prior generations they would have to discover it in a real life event because it was more underground but every kid has access to tv and it's not like vh1 mtv is all restricted i grew up with drag race at two in 2009 i was 18 but they it was on logo i didn't have logo no one had logo so what mm-hmm. was I, gonna, I had it took me a while to find it and they don't make it easy they they truly do not make it easy yeah, I know. It's well, that just shows the perseverance of the queer community. We're willing to <laughs> find the longest, most uh, indirect link to some video123.com. Yeah, the sketchiest the website. There's straight porn popping up on every single angle. We mm. just got to deal with it. Yeah, it, that taught me to be more comfortable around women's bodies. <laughs> like, I was like, this, this anime woman's breasts jiggling while I'm waiting for the if you're not, well, if you're not looking at anime titties while trying to watch Drag Race, you haven't lived. You're not gay. Mm-mm. You're not really torrenting the gayest shit. <laughs> well, what it's weird also because there's so many queens on now that are younger than me, and I would say it has gotten younger and younger how they cast, but they're like mostly like 21, 22, 23. And I'm yes. like, Oh my gosh, like I know I would have been on like three years ago. And that's when yeah. I like to give them like credit or like I'll give them a little like leniency if they're acting a little like type of way. Cause I'm like, I was a nightmare three years ago. So they're allowed to be a nightmare three years ago or like at that age. Exactly. That's how I feel like 
I think when I really started binging every episode of Drag Race, I was 27 or so. And now I'm 31. And so it was like, at the time I felt I like, I really related to like a door cause she was like the young inexperienced one who still had a natural gift. <laughs> Ew, stars, not me relating to the young ingenue with the natural gift. <laughs> <That's me. laughs> you no, said no. that's so me, wait. <laughs> <laughs> really though. But I really related to a door's like positioning in the cast, especially when juxtaposed against the people who thought she was too uh, inexperienced. Cause I felt that way in my office job, you know, never, I, was, I, I could easily be dismissed as like this uh, know-it-all kid, even though it's like, you, you don't even know how to open a PDF document. So yes, I do know more about <laughs> fucking Instagram, but now I'm watching and, and I'm over 30 and I'm like, first of all, there's only one cast member over 30. So as you said, I'm like, I would have been past my prime at this point. And then everyone else, I'm like, oh yeah, good for her. She's gonna, she's gonna be fine. You know, like I don't, I don't have any like way to villainize these characters in my head truly past the point of entertainment because it's like, even if they really said that, it's like, I've said so many stupid things in meetings in front of like Sephora creative directors that I go back and I think like, I wanna die thinking about that. But it's also <laughs> at this point, it's like, well, then I would have easily said something just as stupid with uh, the logo or VH1 camera in my face when there's all this pressure to be entertaining. Being uh, uncomfortable in a course yeah. in high heels for six hours, seven hours a day. Could never be me. I literally don't even like wearing Halloween costumes because <laughs> your, your liquid lipstick feeling is my whole face feeling when I have to wear like a non-tinted, I love makeup, but I wear it for one hour, two hours while I'm shooting my videos. Any more than that, I want to go home. So mm -hmm. I, I feel for them. Well, and kind of like talking about like villain edits, uh, Miss Lucy LaDuca is getting the most villainous of villain edits. But I, I don't know. I feel like I'm the person who I can be annoyed watching them, but I'm also having fun with it. And I wouldn't expect her to act like this every day. You know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah. give me the drama. Give me how you're really feeling. If you're if you want to be a bitch, be a bitch. And I yes. will not expect that of you if I go see you on the street. But I just want to enjoy it while I'm watching on my television. Yes, I'm glad that it's there because it adds a lot of texture, not only to her storyline, but like the whole episode that we just saw. I get it. Like, I hate unfair things. And I would, in my mind and in the confessional, be sitting there like, oh, so she's allowed to uh, complain that she wasn't in the top or that she didn't win, but I got red and it's blah, blah, blah. And so like, and then I would do what she did like during the conversation, be like, are you going to have like, <laughs> I scream, like, I scream. I, I think people don't realize like there is no off to the side comment. Like, obviously you're in a close up right now. They're going to really play the, the shingle symbol sound effect thing. So <laughs> I, but I can also be like, I would do that and, and think like, oh, I'm, this is going to be a quick little clever thing. And then <laughs> it becomes a moment. And then at the same time, I would watch it later and be like, oh, well, it's kind of my fault for making it a big deal when I got told to shut up for uh, claiming to be safe. It's like, it's not fair. Yeah, she took, uh, you know, mistress took the read for you, but not for someone else. You know, it's like it didn't exactly. feel like the right time for her. It's like, that's comedy, babe. Well, and before we dive into this episode in particular, how have you been feeling about the season as a whole? We're finally done with 60 minute episodes. Next week will be up to 90 now that we're down to like no one left. <laughs> Did they change that if because of fan reaction? I think so. I think that that was a definitely like, oh, damn, we're in hot water. We have to do something. Because it was, was yeah, bad. Yeah, I mean, this 
it's the ooh, it feels like I'm watching a like the Facebook version of a YouTube video where you're like, okay, this is like clearly cut up to be to like the thin. 10 minute crafts, and then like they get the little clips, and you're like, how did we get here? Yeah, exactly. Or like the true crime podcasts, they'll be like, like it's like it feels sped up. It feels mm-hmm. like you miss a lot of the kind of character that that I recognize from the show. In a way, it's convenient because I don't even like watching like a movie over 90 minutes so like there was a point where we were getting like two hour blocks of drag race and I was like I love the show but I have to schedule it in <laughs> like I'm yeah it's or like I would go me and my friends in LA one of our friends house and have dinner and watch it and I wouldn't get home till midnight and I had to work the next day so it'd be like okay and then I I would watch every episode twice for a while so it was a commitment that being said like I miss a lot in, in the snatch game I met you can kind of feel where they're cutting the the extra content I am grateful to be on the rigged recap for an episode that I feel is actually rigged because yep. fairness and like um consistency is has no place in reality television so <laughs> I feel like I'm I, I will talk about Asina later as we go you lead the conversation because I'm ready to go <laughs> well and one thing I just wanted to point out quickly is I'm currently writing the rigory of season seven script. So I just binged season seven. And <gasps> something that I realized watching it is like, I couldn't map out watching season seven, the relationships, who's like friends with who, who's uh, enemies with who, what's this storyline, who's involved in these storylines. And then for season 15, I don't feel that way at all. Like Anitra, what is she there for? I don't know. Marsha, yeah. what is she there for? I don't know. Malaysia, after her fight with Mistress, what was she doing? No great. I feel like there's a real lack of story arcs, of storylines, of relationships between the queens. Right now, there's yeah. like the Lucy LaDuca drama and like nothing else. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. I feel like um, season seven is my golden season, by the way. It's like my my all-time favorite. There would be storylines that you would pick up and put down. So like Katya being insecure with herself and doubting herself. Yeah. You would pick that up and put it down throughout the season. So it felt like a continuative mm-hmm. part. And in this season, yeah. it really feels like Every episode has its own story and then we move on and we don't hearken back to it. Or at least it's like every individual who has something like that, a storyline, like it picks up and drops off in a two to three little mm-hmm. episode arc. So it's like Mistress in Malaysia. That was like three episodes and then we were done and we never saw them interact again. The sugar and spice. I mean, like one's gone. Okay, now she's alone. I was like, okay, I'm ready for that journey. And then it's it ends soon enough after that that I'm like okay so we're gonna move on to something else now and then a new, a new conflict will start and that may just be the way it unfolded with their like interactions in real time but we know this isn't edited chronologically so like the interviews and stuff that adds so much of that story. So this episode picks up with Sasha Colby winning the ball and she's kind of talking about like oh I have three wins now or I have two wins now and Lucy LaDuca is like oh but I have three wins. And I immediately gasped. I know. She goes, well, I have a main and two minis. And oh, not counting the mini challenges, please. I was, I was flabbergasted. I was gooped. I was, I had no words, but I was living. The gall, the gumption, the bravado to claim mini challenges as one of the ones she's even talking about right now. Like, you know, even when people say that, they say like, well, you know, I have, I've won a mini challenge. Why haven't I won any challenge? It's like, yeah, it's a qualifier that gets 
you closer in the in the audience's eyes to being able to win a, a main stage challenge but like in front of the whole group <laughs> on the couch you're not going to go and call that a win you have one win you have one win yeah when the mini challenge is like guess who who is wearing the right underwear like let's make all the pit crew pull down their underwear and you go yeah how many golf I want balls a challenge. Are, how many golf balls are in my my andrew christian briefs <laughs> literally literally come on lucy it's so funny though but that was not the only time i gasped at lucy laduca in this this cold intro because she also marcia is going on and she's like you know i thought it might be in the top or might have even won but you know whatever and lucy literally points at mistress and is like are you gonna yell at her are you gonna say something about her pokes her upper arm to get her attention and then like attack her that's like, some middle school shit that is some middle I know. school shit and i loved it i know and i feel like it came off more clever and like more pointed in her head like she was like i'm making my point perfectly about how this is a double standard and it's like or you just sound like you're trying to start a fight <laughs> with the one person in this cast who's desperate to not come off like she's starting fights literally but, i mean mistress is I don't think she, I think she's presenting herself well. Like I do buy from what they're showing us that she's like very real. Like she's giving her opinion without trying to cause conflict. Yet she's not like from this like corporate world, like where it has to be prefaced with like, we love what you're doing and we understand your art. But what I would love to see is she's more like your look look was cheap and your hems were bad, you know, like whatever. It's just stating the facts like a, a court document rather than, uh, you know, a greeting card. Well, and Mistress was all of us in the scene because she just cannot stop laughing at Lucy. And I think she really hits it right on the head. Lucy is insecure with her position in the competition and she's projecting. Yes, I think that really comes through. And it's like, that's what's kind of hard to, it's hard to know when you're coming off as insecure <laughs> because you're not secure in that thing. So it's, which means you don't even know you don't have it. But when mistress, when mistress did an impression of Lucy doing an impression of her like <laughs> snickering, the, <laughs> like, I was like, that's your catchphrase. Like that's, she was like, since I miss, <laughs> I was like, that's funny. However, I, again, relate to Lucy in a certain way, because if I'm talking and I see people, even if I'm talking about something unrelated and someone's like laughing or like, like girl, and this is like from college even, like I'm giving, a, I'm saying something and you're having a side conversation, not about me, but like mm -hmm. you're laugh whispering in a fucking 20 foot room. Like we can all hear it and you need to stop. <laughs> like it's, I guess I really love the spotlight. It's like turn <laughs> off their mics. <laughs> well, and like, if I were there, I think I would be aware of the fact that they could take anything that I do and spin it any type of way. So I, at mm -hmm. one, I do understand why queens are holding back now because we've seen how many, you know, villain edits over the course yeah. of the series. But like with something so obvious, like saying I have three challenge wins when you only have one and too many, like that is just so like, you know how they're going yeah. to show that, how they're going to spin it, how they're going to portray it. And you're right. setting yourself up to be the butt of the joke. Totally. And like, that's the kind of thing that I feel like queens in the cast should definitely jump on, like call that out. Like, and I think um, Mistress is really good at that. Like, she's like, this is what the audience thinking. Let me just say it real quick without sugarcoating it, because if I don't say it now to the, her face, it's going to come out in the confessional and then it's going to be a whole, you know, thing later when the show airs. I feel like with Mistress, she's still being honest, yet she's doing the work that lets me see that it's not coming from a place of malice, at least not from what we see. Again, 
So like, I am also aware that that's because she's aware that they could edit her into a villain and she's not trying to be edited into a villain, but she's not desperately fighting against it and censoring herself. She's just like presenting the facts a little bit differently so that they couldn't give, they couldn't edit together the full story without also including the parts where she's like, oh, you know, I hated sugar and spice, but now I'm like obsessed with them. You know, like it felt natural and it felt like how I would get a sense of her if I were in the cast with her, you know? Well, and I think what's really keeping Mistress from getting a villain edit is that the things that she's saying that could be seen as bitchy are things the fandom also thinks. So because yeah. she's agreeing with our sentiments, we're not going to say, oh, that's rude or that's bitchy because we're going to say, oh, yeah, she's totally right. So we're not going to yeah. take it as like offensive or like rude or bitchy, like, you know, Aura, who was coming after Marsha or like little or um, who was a Jax coming after Sugar, like they're portrayed as in the ne- in the in the wrong. So we're going to see them as villainous, whereas yeah. this has been nastier than both of them. But because she's saying things that we also agree with, we're not seeing it that way. Yeah. And like the actual quotes themselves are still like acceptable in the realm of like the nasty things people say on Twitter about these queens. So it's like, okay, yeah, I'm with you. Because I think the other thing is like people can say stuff that everybody's thinking, but if you say it harsher or the wrong way, or you mean to be funny, but it's not, it comes off mean, like that's alienating too. Because people are like, maybe it was a little this, but you, you know, and like, instead of being able to fully agree, you have to qualify it with like, I don't quite go that far with it. So I don't know. I think that um, Mistress is really doing well with this production, you know, like she's coming off really, I mean, I can't say accurately, but in a way that feels authentic to me as a viewer. And then, I mean, I guess, I guess Lucy is too, but unfortunately, (laughs) authentically insecure. It's appealing to that part of, of my recognition. Well, and from the narrative, I feel like it's kind of setting up Mistress as Sasha Colby's biggest competition. Those are the only two yeah. that I think the narrative is pinning as potential winners. I mean, even Anitra, who, you know, everyone adores, she doesn't have that kind of, like, narrative going on. Or she, we never know much about what's going on with Anitra until these last couple of episodes, where I don't think she's set up to be, like, the big threat going into the finale. Yeah, I mean, I love Anitra's whole storyline. I think it's, like... It's iconic. It like I don't want to name names, but there are other seasons where it's like, oh, their Emmy moment is here because Plastique got a hug. But like, <laughs> oops, <laughs> named. But like the Anitra storyline, I'm like, holy shit! Like I've never quite heard that coming out story on the show or from you know at a gay bar from someone like telling me their trauma, as we all do at gay bars. Oh, is my camera fucked? You were frozen, but now you're yellow. I'm just seeing a yellow screen. This is the real me. I'm coming out, <laughs> I'm coming out as a yellow screen. I think I have to switch it to... The runway category is SpongeBob. Let's get into the challenge. So this one, I think, is a very hard challenge. And they made it even harder by picking the people that they picked to be the celebrity guests. Yes. Good casting on that. I was like, okay, choices. And like... Not all from this. They're not like all, can, uh, you know, cast members of Little Women LA. It's like they were from disparate from all everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. they have to split into groups and basically host a like 2020 interview where they're going to be going out into the field and just chatting, sitting down, doing all kinds of stuff. They so because I knew I was doing this episode with you when I was watching it, I was like, what if they had Shane Dawson as one of them? 
Oh, I only wish. Can you like that would literally break the internet or at least the YouTube part of it, which I think is big, uh, yeah. a big part yeah. of it. <laughs> like that would be so crazy. And also I would be annoyed because like, let's not, but yeah, the genius would be amazing. You it's know, one of those things of- where it's like, I don't want this person getting paid this much money to be here, but the TV it would bring would be iconic. It would the be hate, wild. Yeah. Uh, with well, two and did, videos Shane with- Dawson was supposed to be one of the YouTubers that they picked. And I he didn't turned, know that. He, yeah, he turned it down because he was like, I don't want my body on television like that. Oh, the fact that, you know, self-loathing your, your body would prevent you from doing something that probably would have changed the trajectory of his career. Oh, yeah. Seeing as he's like, he was way more famous than Frankie Grande ever was at that point. Oh, yeah. Just from I mean, the internet alone. Besides being on Big Brother, Frankie Grande was not that big of a yeah, deal. Yeah, like big, like big Brother is a very devoted fan base but it's very to me i feel secular like i don't i mean maybe i just don't follow it you're a big brother viewer i but to me i never hear about it leaking into mainstream see i feel like there's like i think big brother and survivor both because i'm a super fan of both Mm -hmm. i think they have 50 percent the gayest people ever watching and 50 percent southern texas conservative gun owning and i don't know any other like type of program that has such vastly different people right, watching right. it. Yes, it's very funny. Um because you can look at the comment section of either of those shows and you get both, you know, perspectives. Right. With Lash. It's like, oh fuck, okay. Shout out to the Broadway cast of what was it, Mamma Mia? I didn't know he was on Broadway right now. I didn't know he was on Broadway either. I know Jinx I is on Broadway. That. But <gasps> yes, I know. My friend saw Jinx on Broadway. They said uh my friend Joe said he cried at her last note. Oh. that she's saying. See, I'm like, um, I'm not a musical theater gay. So someone was mm. like, yeah, Jinx Monsoon is on Broadway in Chicago. And I said, wait, I thought Broadway was in New York. <laughs> <laughs> wait, don't you live in Chicago or near Chicago? No, I'm in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I think Cleveland was the same as Ohio? It is Ohio. I can't. It is, it is Ohio. It is Where is Only Chicago? in Ohio. Only is in Ohio. Chicago state... If you had to pick one of these celebrities to be like interviewing, which one would you have, have picked? We have Charo, oh. we have Frankie Grande, mm-hmm. and we have Love Connie. I would choose Love Connie for sure. I was like, that's a fucking hole in one. If I could do Love Connie, that's hard because like if I put myself in the shoes of some of these people, I would choose Frankie Grande because like I would have to try not to steamroll Frankie Grande. Like I didn't see anything there that I was like, we're not. He's the tamest of all of yeah. them. You when you start a scene with somebody and you know they're not going to be giving like they're not necessarily having a entertaining conversation for camera. As soon as I pick up that that's what the case is, then I'm like overcompensating, and that's what I saw Frankie doing there. But other than that, he's not known for going on stage and doing unscripted comedy like Love Connie, uh, and you know that someone who works in drag is going to be have crazy stuff to say. So if you're not ready to roll with like whatever comes out of her mouth, then it's going to be awkward. Connie seemed like the most fun. I think it would be easier for me to roll with because it's hard, like, especially if like someone says action, I'm not going to be shocked when someone starts talking about the frosting looking like poop, you know, I would be like, <laughs> yes, you're right. Let's yes. you know, I could also, if ever, if I was not feeling secure, uh, in my place in the competition, I would choose Frankie because I'd be like, I got this. He's entertaining. He's cool. But like, you know, I certainly wouldn't make it him feel like it's necessary to take the lead 
Mm -hmm. And Taro is iconic. I think I would be starstruck, first of all. And that starstruck would contribute to me second guessing what I'm hearing uh, in her accent, which is, you know, distinct, especially in person where I'm always like, what, what? Like a thousand times. (laughs) Yes. Well, Uh and you know, these picks were like so wackadoodle when like Frankie Grande was the laxest, like most normal of them all. The most tame person talking about their husband. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Did you know he got married? Did you know he was married? He just got married. That was the whole story. I was like, can we talk about is he doing anything now other well, than like, having gotten married a month ago? They showed in like their little like prep talk, like, oh, we all need to make sure we're asking different questions. And then they all just talked about him being married. The th- It was like watching Mamma Mia. I was like, we get it. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. So first up, we have group Love Connie, which is Lux Noir London, Mistress Isabel Brooks and Selena S. Titties. Selena is up first with the kind of sit down interview and Okay, this when I was watching this episode, I was already thinking because you know my brain automatically goes to the riggery. I was like, we're seeing a very edited version of probably a much longer discussion. Yeah, yeah. And then after the episode aired, they all ran to Twitter or at Roscoe's or whatever was going on and was like, this was not what really happened. This is a very different version from what I remember and like what I was, you know, was there for. And according to multiple girls at this point, they all thought Selena was going to be in the top because of how well she did with Mm. Love Connie. But in the edits, we don't see that at all. Yeah, I don't even like remember her that much from what she did with with Love Connie. The edit told us that she was struggling because she had questions ready to go and Love Connie kept going on tangents. So instead of waiting for them to finish, she just would cut them off. From what we saw- what they say, that's not what happened. Yes. Multiple queens at this point have said they all thought Selena did a great job and that when she was on the stage for critique, they were waiting for her to be in the top. And then when she got the negative critique, they were like, oh shit. Seemed like stuff that would have been edited out normally in Mm -hmm. an interview. Like very natural, normal, like, oh, sorry, didn't mean to step on you there. Go ahead. So I really do think it was one moment plus the confessionals that they blew up to make that the conflict. Well, and on top of that, I also think Selena had one of the best runways. We have the Night of a Thousand Beyonce's, and I just I can't wait to hear what Maddie Rance has to say about this runway because there it was flop central. I have to be real; it was flop central. I could not with this runway. I was like, okay, I I can buy that. <laughs> I don't know. So here's what I heard online. And this might not be true, but I read it. And to me, it does make sense. They could only use references of Beyonce looks that were up on Getty images because they needed to mm. get the reference photos to then put on the show as like a side by side. They need to buy the rights to them. So that's why we didn't see many like music video looks, any like major, you know, recent performance looks, things like that. True. Yeah, I'm trying but to think okay. what other looks would be like iconic looks would be excluded from Getty Images, like her Super Bowl performance, maybe. All of her album covers. I was waiting for uh, someone to come out in Dangerously right. Love. Or like the iconic Instagram photo that mm-hmm. Candy Muse already did. Yes. It's like those are all original work. Okay, that makes sense. Yet still. The, they the, These the recreations were not recreating. <clears throat> yeah, I think Selena's was really fun. I like that she used like the RuPaul heads as awards. Um, I think for someone who has, as the fandom will call it, suspicious fashion, uh, Selena really knocked it out of the park this week. But I mean, just going by the edit, I'm going to have to give her a cold case. Ooh, detective work. I love it. 
<laughs> We're branded here. <laughs> yes, I stand. Dun, 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 dun. I just sang the theme song in my head. That's very, that's branded too. Um, I'm with you. Cold case based on what we were shown. I thought that was a good touch with the RuPaul heads as Oliver Grammys. Couldn't mm-hmm. help but notice they were all on a two by four. <laughs> like <that's, laughs> could you have like attached them to the garment or your arm or something? Oh, so yeah. It looks like otherworldly, like you're balancing them. Like that's what I think of when I think of someone holding all their Grammys. It's like they make it seem hard to hold all of your Grammys. Yes, they're like tumbling Like Billie Eilish, like balancing them on her head. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be Shit. Adele when she's like holding them all in yeah. like, a basket of oranges fact, or something. My attention span is so bad. When she came out holding those Grammys, I was like, oh, she's doing Adele. And I was like, oh, wait, no. This is all Beyonce. <laughs> so, yeah, unfortunately for Selena, I guess the edit maybe wasn't a great depiction of what actually happened. But regardless, next up is Lux Noir London, who I think fucking knocked it out of the park. Yeah. She is in a golf cart with Love Connie and she somehow manages to like keep the conversation going while also pausing to like react to the chaos happening next to her. Yeah, she was acknowledging that like, oh my God, you're driving so fast and not being like, give a news report and pretend you don't notice how hard these words are to pronounce. You know, it's like she wasn't like trying to keep her eyelash on mm-hmm. with a leaf blower in her face. It was like she was acknowledging the weirdness of the thing and and having fun with it it seemed like she didn't miss a beat and close case for me close case and to me i think the smartest thing she could have done was come in and she immediately was like so tell me about your arch rival what's going on between you two and then immediately starting a bit so that connie can then jump into the bit and it kind of creates this like just like good vibes between them yeah and like obviously i i feel like everyone was given a certain amount of you know, access to research on people's past so that they could ask pertinent questions. Mm -hmm. But that one felt like, oh, it seems like Lux has known about Love Connie so in depth that she knows this is a running thing they have with their arch rival who's, it's probably not that serious in real life, but like like knowing Love Connie's gonna like grab onto it and smack her head (laughs) against the steering wheel. It was like, oh yeah, you're a fan. It feels like you're a fan who gets to interview her. Also, also, she looks so hot during during the the new set. She looks so hot. I think she's gorgeous. And like, I loved her from the minute she came up and it was like, room for one more. I was like, the way you start it sets the tone. And it's like, Mm -hmm. if someone sheepishly went up, I was like, hi, do I get in? Like, I don't know. To me, it just felt confident from the the jump. Oh yeah. Your cat, hi, your cat. Oh, yeah, he's trying to kill my other cat right now. And I'm just like, mm. okay, you guys work it out. And <laughs> flama. Literally. And then on the runway, Lux does a Bob Mackie gown that Beyonce wore. Mm. And it is so stunning. This hair, the makeup. I mean, this was such a slam dunk week for Lux. I kind of thought she was going to win. That's what I thought. And I still think. I feel like that dress was great. I know some people don't love when it's like a recreation, mm-hmm. but then the fact that they showed Beyonce and RuPaul wearing it. And I was like, it looks the same and just it's the same dress. expensive. You know, it's not just a sequin trim that she got in a different color. Oh girl, you used expensive fabric and all. Like you went to someone, <laughs> you went to like Bob Mackie's protege or something. Like Literally, you went to his closet and said, I'm borrowing this. I'll give it back in, in two yeah. months when I'm done filming. You're the winner in my you, mind. Literally, literally. But she she wasn't. Um, but I'm still going to give her a closed case anyway. Oh yeah. So um, next we have Mistress Isabel Brooks. Can I run a conspiracy theory by you? I wish you would. I kind of feel like she purposely flopped this episode for like, her like um versatility arc her like 
emotional arc, you know, because we there's the complaint in some winners that never had like a bad episode that like, oh, well, right. like, we, just, we just didn't get to know them because we never got to see them stumble. And right. now we're like nearing the end. Maybe she was just like, hmm. I could see that if one is able to be that self-aware in something that's weeks long and so arduous and full of all of this monotony and waiting and thinking and hotel time and van rides and interview footage that gets cut. Like if someone is able to maintain such a high level of like, this is my third act conflict. This is my, this is my moment where, you know, the stakes seem against me. I could see that because it wasn't hyper embarrassing. She didn't use the wrong name uh, for Chaz Bono, you know, like it wasn't <laughs> so cringy that like you want to crawl out your skin, but it was like uncomfortable. I felt that she looked to me from what we saw, like someone who just truly came in thinking like, oh, I've been the most naturally funny person on this show. So like bring on the celebs. And then it was like, Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. Because I do think that Mistress is hilarious. But a lot of the things she says are not intentionally funny. It's just like... Reacting to things. I think, like, just labeling the the pecking order Mm -hmm. as as it is. I guess the reason I felt that way is because if anyone would do that, it would be Mistress. Because she is so self-aware. She Mm -hmm. is... I feel like she strategizes everything that she's doing. Um, And that's why she's coming across as well as she is. But it almost felt like, and we have never seen her stumble in any challenge. The comedy ones, the the design ones, the performance mm-hmm. ones. She almost just like wasn't trying. It almost felt yeah. like she just got into there because they're make they're decorating cupcakes, and she just immediately is like, "No, I'm uncomfortable." Like mm. it didn't even feel like she was giving it her best shot. When and I was kind of just like, "Is she throwing this right now for versatility, for vulnerability?" That's actually not a bad point because there were times where like even I was like looking at my phone and I'm like thinking of better thinking of responses when she just covers her mouth and goes silent there were times where I was like that seems like something even the least comedic queen on this season would have known to like go it's like the and yes you know like you go along with it you don't just saying nothing is basically saying no to the scene and like you want to only say yes so it did feel very counterintuitive and that's what was so frustrating, I think. But then when she said like, I'm going to get ready for my lip sync song after the thing aired, I was like, yeah, but you know, they're not going to send you home. So like, it would be the perfect time to throw a challenge because they're not going to send you home compared to the next worst person. Well, and I was almost, cause we don't know the order that they recorded these in. We only know yeah. the order that they were shown to us. The other reason I think she might've thrown this is because Malaysia also flopped. And that would give producers the Malaysia versus Mistress lip sync. And in that scenario, I think we can all bank that Mistress probably wins it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And this is like real tinfoil hat, but I, that's just my thoughts, general, generally. No, I think it's very possible. And it comes down to this thing where it's like, there's been so many episodes. The cast knows how this stuff tends to go. So that could very well be in her mind the mistress but like yeah like if I were the mistress and I like some if I saw Malaysia's performance or I just knew Malaysia was nervous about this and like didn't expect her to do well then I guess I would be like yeah let me go let me throw this and give them a vulnerable moment they won't send me home over Malaysia based on the amount of like obviously good screen time I'm giving I think that it's very possible. I feel like I I would hope that I would have enough sense to be like, I'm giving good content. They're not going to get rid of me compared to the person who's not quite talking. 
and whose whole thing is kind of like about being shy or insecure or like, I don't know if that's even fair to say for Malaysia, but that's kind of how I remember her run on the show. It's like fighting for the spotlight. Whereas you Mistress have- is the spotlight. She's, yeah, the narrator. She can bind that theory for sure. That would be a risk. It would that's be really so hard. ballsy. Yeah, yeah, because you don't know what's going to happen. I mean... But Mistress also, I think, had one of the best looks of this. I, this was my favorite look because it is, I think, very close to the original, but she also adds to it with her own spin with having the Michelle and Kelly on either shoulder. So, yeah, obviously, Mistress is getting a cold case, but I don't know. My little, like, I... sensor was going off, like cold but I get why she's still here it wasn't her time to go at all I thought the Michelle and Kelly thing was cute but like every season now for five seasons we've seen a fake head glued to someone's head oh Ornatia. like uh, I mean and Willow Pill's head fake head looked better it was like a 3d printed replica mm-hmm. and these look more like cosmetology mannequins little puppets um, everybody loves and I said them. okay hunchback of Notre Dame like why do I see a whole <laughs> That's not just their heads. <laughs> we got their shoulders on her <laughs> shoulders too. Uh, and I thought maybe you could think of some other way to replicate like two people being in your shadow, like dragging mm. their bodies behind you. I don't know. The corpses, like... please. <laughs> <laughs> too dark. MTV would be like, mm. oh, we're not doing this. We're, we're not doing we're this. Not do that. Yeah. Um. So up next, we have Team Charo, which is Marsha, 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 and Sasha Colby. And Sasha Colby Mm. goes first. They are cooking in the kitchen, making some kind of salad. And Sasha wins the challenge. I think she does a good job. I think that there are some just awkward moments because I do think it's hard to understand some of what Char was saying. And you can kind of see that on Sasha's face, but she definitely plays it off a lot better than Marsha. Exactly. Like, I feel like she did what a TV presenter would do. Maybe a little more, there were a few more noticeable moments than a like seasoned professional interviewer might let come through uh, in a live take. But overall, I was like, okay, good. There's not like a clear, like Marsha, Marsha. I mean, like she looked like she she, she didn't speak English. Yeah, I did feel like Sasha Colby was giving professionalism. I felt like she she was probably understanding more than I did from what Charo said. And frankly, I don't know if they told Charo like make that part of it. You know, I think I've seen other appearances where they clear like in when she's in a um sitcom even, they'll have Charo like be intentionally un- unintelligible. People are like, what did she say? You know, like <laughs> so you know she's aware that that's part of her persona. Yeah. That like her accent is sometimes not easy understood by white Anglo-Saxon English speaking people. And like, that's funny. So Sasha Colby, I feel like didn't let herself be that person. Didn't be the one who's like, what is she saying? You know, she, she handled it with confidence. So I thought she came off great. And I just, I'm like such a stan. I love her throughout this whole season. And they, it felt like a good match. I was like, I would want to see this person interview this person. Yeah. I think she won it from like the producers and like RuPaul's eyes when she chucked the cards and was like, forget these cards. We're just going to do whatever you want to do. Like that was a great moment. Yeah. And I think that they like to give wins out to whoever has the best moment. And to me, I think if I'm thinking about this episode five years from now, I'm going to think of Lux 
in the golf cart, like flying down the alley. But like to them, they probably were like, oh, Sasha throwing those cards was so cunt. That was such a, a moment. Like that's what people are going to like. Exactly. Like that, that's, I completely agree with you. It's like they do it live to tape, you know, like one take. You're not, you're not ready for how chaotic it's going to be. So instead of being visibly gagged by the chaos, she did what live TV people do all the time. And they're like, that's live television, folks. And, you know, like a late night host would throw the cards away. And it it really endears you to the audience. He's like, okay, so we're all, you know, even the host is admitting like, this is off the rails. And that allows you to like really lean into it as an audience member rather than be like, oh, I want to stop watching. Well, um, and like if Sasha makes the final four, that moment will be in her like package where they're like, let's look at what you did this season. Like while we're yeah. like that moment will be there. It's a gif. It's a meme. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's one who second thing that you're like, OK, relatable and funny, like something's going crazy and not to plan, like throw the cards out. Exactly. Where, you know, I agree. Like I thought even if I thought that uh, Lux had a better interview in the golf cart, it wasn't one hilarious moment it was just a good interview under like a crazy circumstance which we've seen before on every news show where they're like we're doing indoor skydiving with bono or whatever <laughs> you're like okay it's, it's yeah. a way to make a sit-down interview a little less plain Boy, jane yeah. like yeah. yeah he's teaching me how to surf even if she had planned like if i don't understand what char is saying i'm just gonna throw the cards out and, and act like it could have been nothing on the cards you know so yeah it yeah. to me is pretty genius i get why that would that would honestly clinch it for me too as as the winner so yeah close case close case and loved her runway as well it was very Sasha and it was like yeah that was spot on to what the original look was yeah it looked great I mean I don't really I can't think of any time where she's like disappointed me with Mm -hmm. the looks but yeah no I I get why Sasha won I think Lux did better personally but I'm not here like oh how the fuck did Sasha win this challenge it's not a gorgeous design challenge like no no yeah uh, I feel like uh, with Sasha, like I want her to have all of these wins that she's getting and Lux is still here. So it's like, I'm not mad at it, you know? And I think Lux yeah. really proved herself to be an amazing, like, are you kidding me? Her rate just doubled like for hosting yes. because yes. at anything TV nightclubs, like, you know, it's not going to be a bomb and people are going to want to see it. So yeah, close case for Sasha Colby, but uh, sorry, cold case for Marsha, Marsha, Marsha for both the runway and the performance. This runway was like, oh, I have a dress in my closet that looks kind of similar to this look Beyonce once wore. Let me do that. What performance was that from Beyonce? Did she say? It's it said like in the episode, but... I don't remember, but they showed the side oh, by here. side and it was not. It was the same material, but it was not the same design whatsoever. Like, it's different. It's different. And it's not to the point where I don't recognize it. Like, we got to fix the face in an interview. Because, like, the fear in her eyes. And it was cringy because we've all been there. Like, all of us have been there. Where we're talking to someone and we don't know what they're saying, but we just have to, like, pretend. And it's kind of cringy because we're thinking back, did I look like that when I talked to this person? Or, like, in this moment? I hope I didn't. Exactly. I was going to say, it, like, confirms for me that I was noticeably <laughs> unaware <laughs> of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And that was like with people who are speaking perfectly understandable English. I just wasn't paying attention because I'm like too much too in my head or anxious. And I think that's what I saw with Marsha. Marsha was like, she went in afraid. She wasn't going to be able to understand. And then you're thinking too much about it that you're like, you don't understand because you're not listening either. 
Marsha let it show on her face. And then I don't think she got any really great questions in. She asked you know? how old she was. And I was like, why did you do that? <laughs> and like making it the finale question. Yes. One more question. You how old, old bitch. Are you? <laughs> like, you old are you fossil? kidding me? <laughs> I was actually surprised they didn't make that like a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like with Chaz Bono's mom. Or and like, then, oh, I, did you abort? You almost aborted Cher. How do you feel about abortion yep. rights today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they should have cut you an interview of Charming, like, what the fuck? Because like, I'm not aware of being like, a running ooh. gag with Charo hiding her age. Maybe that is a thing. Like, mm-hmm. but I don't know enough about Charo. And if I don't know, then I'm sure Gen Z who's watching this is also like, okay, rude. Because it was, it just came off kind of rude <laughs> it's yeah. like that shouldn't have been your clincher yeah charo has a really funny joke where she's like yeah i came to america with christopher columbus and like marcia doesn't laugh because she doesn't understand it so marcia's just standing there like <clears throat> and i'm like oh no charo's like i know oh, you're just sitting there it was she was good. like trying to think who is christopher columbus like it, it was <laughs> she was like two sentences behind yeah um because i i thought that was such a graceful and hilarious way for charo to answer it like she must have been asked the question before in many different interviews because maybe that's a, like some celebrities do go to like crazy lengths to make sure Mariah Carey known as their birth year <laughs> yeah who's clearly 40 something but like what it, 50 anyway. something everyone yeah I mean like we know you're you were famous 30 years ago and you were in your 20s then like we can figure it out some people especially from before the internet who got famous it's like their whole upbringing is a mystery because they weren't posting on Instagram at age 12 it's like we don't know when you moved to this country. We don't know when you uh, started modeling. Like it's all, you can kind of maintain a lot of mystery. And Charo, I guess, is one of those people. But I think that if that, then Marsha should have prefaced the question with like, so uh, in my research, I've noticed you've in the past been very secretive about this. When were you born? Blah, blah, blah. You know, like let mm-hmm. us in on it. So like, it doesn't make it, sound like- Make it a bit, not just like- yeah. Asking you? an offensive question. Yes, as like you, yes. Before you go, bitch, how many facelifts? <laughs> yeah, I think Marsha is very lucky that multiple people did badly this episode because she definitely, in another world, goes home in this episode. Yeah. Cold case for Marsha, unfortunately. Cold. But I love the, I'm going to use the like still of her reaction to not understand. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, Mm -hmm. Uh, and untucked, she's getting very insecure about the fact that she's not getting a win. And she's like, I need the rusical to come. I need the rusical to come. And it's like, sister, you can't just rely on one challenge and be like, this is the only one. I have a a shot of winning. That's it. And if they keep hearing you say that, mama, you're you're going going to be the bottom for that challenge. You know, (laughs) you're getting jammed. Yeah, or like even Selena S. Titties being like, I just can't go on another design challenge. It's like, well, you're, no, she's like, can't be in the bottom for another design challenge. It's like, sweetheart, you're writing the script for them. Literally, mm-hmm. exactly. So our last group is Team Frankie Grande. And we start out with Lucy LaDuca, who has a lovely interview with him. They talk about Alien. Lucy's a really great interviewer. She's oh, yeah, me. yeah. Yeah, it, there's not really much to say because it was just like, it was not boring, but it was just like a basic interview that had some good chemistry. Yeah, it was literally like uh, entertainment tonight professionalism, not necessarily a drag queen interviewing a queer icon. Like that would have been, I think, what separates you from just being like, granted, it takes a lot to be like so composed and well-spoken and keep the conversation going. I did love Rue's note about like, Frankie Grande just said something 
ridiculous and like you could just... potentially like be made into a joke about how out of touch you know his or craziest life is as like you know this overexposed person with a lot of resources but it was sort of like yes absolutely it's a moving on spider. yeah <laughs> a witch doctor sick the spider on me and she's like oh cool anyway let's talk about your husband yeah, yeah. Was, <laughs> there was no follow-up it was safe it was like to me a very safe interview because she did not act shaken by anything frankie grande said well and she thought she won because when sasha is given the win her face is like are you fucking kidding me that reaction shot, I was like, is that real? Is that oh, she's, she's pissed. Like, she's piss piss. She was um, like looking around to see if it was an episode of Punk. <laughs> it was crazy. Literally, is this the Truman Show or what? No, <laughs> it, she, okay. We just need to talk about this because I'm still confused. She does Beyonce's like pregnancy reveal look, mm-hmm. but there's no pregnancy. It's a flat, flat little tummy. And then Michelle, in her critique, says, you managed to take Beyonce's pregnancy like announcement and make it even draggier. I'm like, I was like, where, where? You, maybe if you had like a giant belly, like you made it like a, a gimmick, but. Yeah, like give birth to the baby on stage. Yes, like there's no draggier. baby. She just opens I mean, up like, coat and just starts rubbing this flat tummy. I'm like, okay, Lucy. And like, why even more draggier? That reveal was like the classiest, most elegant Beyonce type way. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't give interviews, who doesn't like, who is very private. Like that's the best she's going to do is show like, you know, and obviously Jay-Z knew that was going to happen and Kanye West was freaking out over it. So it's like, that's the most like vulnerable Beyonce gets with people sometimes. So like, it wasn't that draggy to begin with. I don't know what was draggier about it. She had platform shoes on, like, <laughs> I don't get it. That I, was, yeah, I was confused. No one backstage was like, you're, oh, you're not going to do a bump. You're not going to do a yeah. bump. Yeah. I hated I, it. I was, was like, this is, I seen you know, people wearing this in a, like a, a jazz choir, this outfit. <laughs> it was a complete question mark for me. I'm still going to give Lucy a close case because she did really good in the challenge, but. Yeah, she did. She was, as they said, giving like Barbara Walters or whatever. Like it was a professional mm-hmm. interview. And she mm-hmm. looks great, but yeah. I don't understand there's something I'm missing from Michelle's interpretation. And I felt very confused by that. But yeah, closed case. Up next, we have Anitra, who goes on a little jog with Frankie. And kind of like Lucy, I don't remember a lot from this. It was mm-hmm. fine. It was it was good. There was no like hiccups, but there weren't any like standout moments either. Yeah, I felt bad for Anitra because like, in terms of all of the activities, like this was the last one they thought of. They're like, okay, we got the cooking set. We have the uh, golf cart. What are they going to power walk? I don't know. They're like, like oh, our filet mignon didn't come in. So we can't do the third. You're going to have to just go walk. Yeah. Like I was like, they're literally just like walking past the makeup trailers right now. Like, <laughs> literally. But then again, if I were her, I'd be like, great. This is just an irregular interview, but I'm like, Pretend, I'm I'm doing that sugar and spice hop the whole time. <laughs> Literally. I think what really stood out for Anitra this week is something that I've had issues with her for the whole season, which is the runway. And she took a big swing on this runway and it looks amazing. This is um, a tour look that Beyonce did. There's so much detail and I really think she knocked it out of the park. I think this is beautiful. Oh, I read online. People were like, if this were the time to wear a breastplate, this would have been it. And I was like, that oh, was my, yep. I didn't even 
That was my I don't know if I noticed that. I think the cape looks a little like it needed to be steamed or could use a lining, but <laughs> the breastplate I wouldn't have even noticed. I just noticed when like the the last episode that she doesn't wear one. I'm like, eh. Honestly, some people I don't never, have breasts. Yeah, I never really care about like if you wear a breastplate or not, but if for this look in particular, because it is a Beyonce look, I was like, mm, I definitely think it wouldn't have hurt. Like it would have definitely amped it up even more. I think when you're impersonating some look like and you're trying to capture the silhouette like the silhouette is fundamentally different if it's a different proportion up top so it's whether or not like your drag involves breastplates like it's gonna look different if you don't do it when we're used to seeing it with breasts yes but it's not to me like if someone went out you know without breasts to do dolly parton where you're like that's the whole joke yeah that's literally the centerpiece of this look right in the world drag, you can do anything. You could have six breasts on your back. So it's <laughs> yeah, not really. She has. She has. Yeah. Because <laughs> her back's going to be like, she's back bending and stuff. Yeah. And there's like just flopping everywhere. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, work the world 2023. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I gave Anitra a close case, but it's not like I wasn't blown away by her this week or anything. No. Again, I close case for me too, but um, I thought the look was great and the power rocking thing i thought was very competent yeah and last up we have our dearly departed malaysia baby doll baby doll baby doll fox oh my goodness i love i love her but this was hard to see i really didn't like the way that she had to go out yeah i my biggest critique of her basically every episode on the season is She's so animated and so fun in the confessional, but she doesn't bring that same energy to the challenges. And it always feels like she's holding back. And then on yeah. the runway, she kind of admitted it. She's like, I'm afraid to go too far. I'm, I'm afraid to take a big risk. So I kind of just like stay in my lane. And that's, right. that's what sent her home. Yeah. And every time it's like, <clears throat> well, if the cameras don't see it, how am I to believe it? And it's like, and if the other queens don't see it, then they're going to start talking about it in their confessionals. And it's giving them all of this footage to construct a narrative with. Like if you're only like, charming and yourself in the room alone with the producers in your confessionals, like that's great to gain fans. Like people are going to love you. And a lot of people relate to that. You know, it's like, oh, I feel like I'm only myself with my closest friends. And when I have to speak in public, I clam up. So like, I see it and I see that a lot of people are going to probably be like, that's me, you know, but in terms of like getting to the front of the competition, unless you turn that around on camera right now and make it your, uh, your underdog story, like how are they ever going to position you as a winner at the end of all of this? Like you're basically writing that you're destined to not go all the way, but I love the look, the black is King. I thought was so gorgeous. Yes. She looks so good. Um, but in the challenge, she she just shut down. So I have to give her a cold case. Yeah, cold case. The challenge was really not great. No. Yeah, so she's making pizza okay. with Frankie Grande. And she just looked so stressed the whole time. Right. She looked like she right. wanted to literally flee the premises. It almost felt like they talked about it beforehand where she was like, I'm not feeling well. Do you want to be the interviewer for this? Like, cause mm-hmm. she like became the sub and Frankie was the dom. It's like, you know. <laughs> The interview is going haywire when Frankie is dominating you. Exactly. Exactly. And I kind of feel like she was going to go home this episode no matter what. After she yeah. told Rue and Michelle, I don't take risks and I don't feel comfortable like pushing myself. They're like, okay, 
like get yeah, out. Yeah, like it's too late in the season to say that because they're like, well, we don't have time to like whatever the next challenge is is not going to be the time for that either. So I think they sent her home regardless of having a more interesting lip sync. That's my oh. opinion. Nick, I'm sorry. I know that uh, that Selena did the exact video choreography, but I maybe because I was a a teenager. I was 17 when that song came out. And it was just like, I've seen that choreography done by a million people in a million different unexpected ways. You know, you've seen dads doing it. You've seen old men doing it. You've seen those, that little dance troupe of little kids in the Philippines doing it in heels, like little boys. Like that was all so cool 12 years ago. You know, like, I don't know. (laughs) And I felt like I know that she learned this to do it in a past live club show or like whatever, like this has been performed by her before. Obviously she knew it already and she just whipped it out. But I felt like I liked uh, the way Malaysia incorporated some of the iconic moments, like the hand flip and obviously the arm pumping. But other than that, she was like giving an unrehearsed performance. I didn't know that was gonna be controversial. I thought we were all gonna be all six, of us, I don't know who we're talking about. I thought we were all going to sit down today and talk about how we agree with me. <laughs> um, not today. <laughs> I loved Selena's performance here. I loved it. I did not watch. Okay, the the only time I ever watched Malaysia is when it was like a close up of her, and like there was nothing else to watch. And then I was just thinking, why are you playing this like a ballad? You're giving so much like emotion and you're like oh this is like it's no it's not the energy we need I wanted the like playful fun camp and I felt like that's what Selena was giving that's fair I think I I have drag delusion because no stand by your opinions you're allowed no but I I feel because I noticed what you noticed that they stuck on Estina Selena Estiti, <laughs> her name. <laughs> Selena Estiti's like, I felt that they were following her with the camera. And I was like, when I go on Twitter, because I've been avoiding it for, until I watched, um, it's going to be everyone being like, so lame that she just copied the choreography. And then I was like, so that's why they're showing it, because it's so cringy. <laughs> but, and then when they would show Malaysia, I was like, oh yeah, look at her being so cool and relaxed. But um, I could see how what you're saying is true. It's and she, but I thought then I was like, oh, she's doing the song that we all know. And instead of doing the choreography that we all know, she's making it personal. Uh, maybe next time we'll think before he cheats. Like he was, she was giving storyline. Uh, she's giving Carrie Underwood in the face. <laughs> she's giving Beyonce. elevator Beyonce, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was really, I, th- I thought that was rigged. I, <gasps> but I can see how it wasn't. I see how... It probably wasn't, but I just want to know if anyone else out there felt like it was a cop out to do the exact choreography. And well, I may, I might just be like brainwashed because of that early season. Oh, Venus where, Delight, or no, um, mm-hmm. Phoenix doing Bad Romance. Yeah, which didn't even like make sense when when it was said then, but like mm-hmm. that was ringing my ears. I was like, she's just doing the video choreography. I was like, boo, but. Because then, like, Kurt Hummel did it on Glee. And it's like, he, he could learn it. Like, so could drag queen. <laughs> if Chris Colfer can can get it down. <laughs> yeah, that's idiot. Weird. I'm just kidding. Um, well, okay, I haven't been going on Twitter. What did people think? Did they agree with you or did they? 
I have not looked yet. I I would okay. love to know. That's why I'm I'm hoping that I wasn't the only one. Maybe it's divisive, and everyone thinks different things. Like this, like the two of us are a perfect sample of the population. Yes, they're, we're gonna have like our different stands. Like, oh, I'm team. Yeah, Nick, I'm team Derek. are you yeah. team, team Nick? Hashtag Nick side. <laughs> Hashtag I'm team Derek. Selena for the win but also I'm just a delusional Selena stan like she's my favorite on the season has been since meet the queens so maybe I'm just like anything she does I am automatically going to be like drawn to but I can't say the same about her lipstick her lip sync last week so maybe (laughs) (laughs) I I know that was a no for me I (laughs) felt like it was giving um from dream girls where she's like love me like i was like <laughs> all right stage walk like going to the back i didn't love the like um song choice fun, like jazz oh hands. the spice doing her yeah thing. that's yeah. i mean spice i don't think was giving taking it seriously enough so you obviously go with the person who's giving a more convincing emotional portrayal it's funny because twink trash said this they said it was giving um like a high school production of something <laughs> yes twink trash is team nick's hashtag team nick's <laughs> okay let's not let's not put words in their mouth let's you just said it <laughs> uh whatever so we have to ask the question is it rigged and it sounds like from both the queen's perspective and from our perspective it was yeah, yeah. And I think it was at different stages. Uh, and from the like editing, like I'm so fascinated. I so want to see what we didn't see from the uh, awkward interview that Selena gave. Yeah. Because if they all on set thought it was great, like literally anything could have happened. And that's what's kind of crazy now that we're all so aware of the story editing that goes into this show is like, we know it's weird. We just will never know how. And I just wish I could know how. And even if a queen tells us, it's still only one person's experience of it. What confuses me is, okay, let's say I'm running with this mistress theory that she flopped it on purpose. If I were the producers, why would you not do the mistress versus Malaysia? Yeah, I feel like that's, and I've heard you mention this in videos before, where it's like, they didn't want to risk <laughs> mistress flopping so bad that they're like had to make it a double whammy of like this shouldn't have happened by having to save her like candy Mm -hmm. muse and they're like one more thing come on back to put her in the bottom three i think gets the point across where it gives her the credit to at the beginning of the next episode be like i was so close to the bottom two last week like i will not get there again i was flying so high and it's basically effectively the same as her being like, I can't believe I had to lip sync last week, but the producers don't risk having to like call more attention to their meddling. I am not making sense of it at the moment, only because they watched Malaysia lip sync twice in that Lala Perusa. And Malaysia, I don't think won either of those. I yeah. think she just didn't lose as bad in her second one. So it's not like putting Mistress up against Malaysia is like, oh, well, Malaysia's a fierce, like iconic lip syncer. We're like- Not an assassin, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. And and why would they, you know, put Selena in the bottom if she didn't necessarily necessarily deserve it when you have this like storyline of like, oh, Malaysia versus Mistress finally, like coming to blows in a lip sync. I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely see your point. There's something not quite there yet with Mistress's story that maybe we'll get in future episodes where it's like, you were super confident and then this knocked you off your rails and now you're coming back because 
it was weird to see her be like stumped and literally cover her mouth and like just choose silence over, uh, you know, actually comedy. I don't know. I guess just with her, when they cut from the live thing and she was like, thank you. And like, she was like, I'm going to go learn my lip sync. Now I, I believed like she really didn't believe in what you just saw. And maybe I'm just uh, too honest and real to be able to understand what it would be like to intentionally do a bad job. Cause uh, I've never experienced doing a bad job at anything. So. <laughs> I couldn't fake it. I couldn't fake it. Right. Uh, and, but maybe right. she's a better actress than me. So, <laughs> but I just, I know, but it really, I, you work so hard to get on the show. Like, why would you risk it do all? a bad job for anything? Like I would still not be thinking, but I'm in my head all the time. So I would be like, I just got to make it as far as I can by doing the best I can by being great on camera. That's my career is them knowing that I can like do whatever they hire me for after this. Gonna, it's very counterintuitive for me to like fuck up an interview on purpose. But as I continually say, like she did it the safest way by not talking. She didn't say anything yeah. cringy. She just said nothing. So you could yeah. very well be right. And I'm just, I'm just such a good person that it didn't occur to me. <laughs> no, at this point, I'm so far deep in the like drag race iceberg that I just like, I'm just pulling things out of thin air. At this no, point. well, I, I mean, so much of my drag race opinions are formed based on your very astute because uh, no. like there will be things that I'm watching and I'm like in the back of my mind like there's the you know film student part of me that's like that's fake not that they're doing that to make it seem like this but when I'm reviewing a movie for my channel I'm like I have that kind of voice at the forefront of my mind but when I'm watching Drag Race which I would never review because the fans scare me but um and <laughs> so to buy a car with their copyright <laughs> like I can't I kind of let myself believe the narrative of what they're showing me a little bit more um so when you make your points or point out things about the look it's often like oh yeah you're right Derek so I'm team hashtag Derek's side I forget the hashtag I'm really trying to make this happen I'm talking about branding yeah, it's like a, an old uh, Drag Race episode. Hashtag them shoulders should match them hips. Oh my God, that was so good. <laughs> so, okay, my last question is what I ask everyone on the podcast. Who are you currently rooting for and who do you think is actually going to win? <sighs> okay, I think, I'm, I mean, right now, uh, I'm firmly team Sasha Colby. And I honestly think she has a good chance at winning. I... Uh, if not her, then I'm thinking like mm, the, a mistress maybe, but I, I really feel like it just would be so right because <sighs> Sasha Colby is not only doing so great when she came on and already all of the videos about Drag Race and predictions are like, she's such a legend. She's bigger than Drag Race. She's never going to say yes. And then I'm like, they got her. Like they probably paid her more than these other girls. <laughs> they, you know, like it's all, and she had knows that like, she has to live up to this hype. And what if she's not good at doing improv? You know, like to see an individual come on and say, I'm so proud to be here representing a happy trans person who's being themselves, working in a profession they love. Uh, and like the point she made about this art form was made to be underground and hidden. Um, and now it's mainstream. So it, to me, shows a level of gratitude and optimism that I needed as someone who wants to be an ally to trans people. 
I'm living for her. Well, and especially right now with like these very scary, very disgusting bills being passed, we need people like Sasha Colby on our televisions more than ever. Yeah, absolutely. That's how gay cis men and women started turning things around and and becoming more accepted in mainstream cultures by like, well, now you know one. You hate gay people. Well, now you're you watch Will and Grace, Diane. Right, exactly. And it, it shows people as a human who you like, you can't help but like. And she's doing it so well. You know, she's she's coming off well. There's just like a main character there and we're not used to seeing trans people elevated to be the star uh, stars that they always have been in the queer community. And especially on Drag Race until just a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean, the way that they've sort of course corrected from uh RuPaul's <laughs> sort of tweets <laughs> is, and the way that you know it was sensationalized I think in early episodes to have a trans experience exactly I talk so, so much I feel like I talk so much sorry no I love it no I love not having to like pull you know what I mean like I can just mm-hmm. like cool let's go yeah you're not being the Malaysia of the situation <laughs> Am I the Malaysia? Oh, no. No, I said you're not being. (laughs) I'm the Frankie Grande who you're like, shut up a little bit. (laughs) No. um, Hashtag team Nick's side. (laughs) (laughs) I had so much fun. I'm so glad you came. This was so fun. I'm so glad too. Thank you so much for having me. I've been, you know, obsessed with your channel since I found it during quarantine. And thank you for all of the content you put out. It's so fun when like you watch someone for like ages and then you find out they watch you. It's like, holy shit. Like this is like an out of body experience. Totally. Yes. I rem- I mean, it's very surreal. Uh, that's why I'm always like, let me just tweet at them and see <laughs> and say that I love their videos. You never know. So I think that is all the time we have for today. Again, thank you so much, Nick. Tell everyone where they can find you. Thank you so much for having me. You can find me on my YouTube channel. Uh, Nick Duramio TV, or just search Clip Breakdown, and Instagram, Twitter, all Nick Duramio. I'm telling you guys, if you have not watched his channel, one of the most like easy to binge, so funny, literally one of my Thank favorite you. YouTubers. So it's been a dream to have you here. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will catch you all in the next one. Video versions of this podcast are available at my Patreon at patreon.com slash thedragdetective.